Welcome to today's episode of the Coach Club Africa, home to heroes without the headlines. In today's episode, I will be speaking to Dr. Nora Nuba Puaya. Nora is one of the most experienced coaches on the African continent, and she recently won the Afrocentric Coach of the Year 2022 award by the African Board for Coaching Consulting and Coaching Psychology, the ABCCCP. Um, Nora is an accredited professional certified coach and has provided coaching service to top executives in over 100 organizations. One of the things that Nora is really passionate about is nurturing African excellence. And uh, Nora has been a dear business partner in Coach Africa and a very valued friend, close friend. So why would you want to listen to this episode? Um, what we are going to talk about today is we're going to look at the developments in the African coaching space. Um, this will be a very personal conversation where Nora will be sharing her own journey of overcoming uh, several barriers in her journey to both establishing Coach Africa, but also in her own coaching journey as a coach with uh, major international organizations. And one of the things that you'll, she'll be sharing uh, with you is some of the specific barriers actually related to her being African that she encountered and is how she has been able to overcome these. And this is a personal story that is both shocking, but, uh, but also exceedingly powerful. So tune in for that part. Uh, we also explore why professional credentialing is more important in Africa versus in some of the other territories in the world. So tune in for today's episode with special guest Dr. Nora Nuba-Boya, Afrocentric Coach of the Year 2022. If you like the episodes, do hit the follow button so you will see new episodes coming to your feed as soon as they are available. And I would love to connect with you on Instagram, Facebook or LinkedIn. So follow me at Denny Den Hartog. Welcome to Coach Club Africa, the home of heroes without the headlines. I'm your host, Danny Den Hartog, coach of coaches and co-founder of Coach Africa. Coach Club Africa is the podcast that promotes and nurtures coaching made in Africa. This is a community of African coaches and leaders with one thing in common, the desire to grow their impact, influence and income so that this powerful intervention called coaching scales across a bold new Africa. Join the community by hitting the subscribe button and watch those episodes coming to your feed as soon as they are available. And in the meantime, come on over and follow me on Instagram, Facebook and LinkedIn at Danny Den Hartog. Welcome to today's episode of Coach Club Africa. I am your host, Danny Den Hartog, and today's very special guest is Dr. Nora Nuba-Buaya. Nora is an accredited professional certified coach, PCC, with the International Coaching Federation. She's an organizational development and change consultant, facilitator, trainer with working experience across four careers, accounting, marketing, insurance, and coaching. She has provided coaching services to top executives in over 100 organizations, 
And she's the founder of the first coaching firm in Eastern Africa, Coach Africa. Nora has a track record of performance in various industries, including petroleum, health, banking, hospitality, insurance, beverages, and the development sector. Nora has a doctorate in executive performance from Middlesex University. But most importantly, Nora is a very dear friend of mine and a greatly valued business partner in Coach Africa. Nora, a very warm warm welcome to Coach Club Africa. Thank you so much, Danny. I'm looking so forward to this. <laughs> Wonderful. Nora, just uh, please uh, share a little bit more about yourself to our, uh, our listeners today. Oh, that is a pleasure. I would say these days I have a different way of introducing myself, Danny. Uh, what is uh, exciting that has just come into my life recently is I'm a grandmother. Congratulations. And being a grandmother, now I look at myself, if you were to say, what's the biggest achievement? I think bringing into this world three responsible citizens of the world and now getting fruits from that, that, that is big for me. Otherwise, uh, yes, I'm passionate about performance. So anything performance is uh, something I would be very excited to talk about. Beautiful, Nora. One one of the things that I also uh, value greatly about you is your your modesty, because you're uh, at the introduction that I've just given. Um, it's you are actually one of the top, the very top coaches on the African continent, and you recently won. Uh, very recently, I think that was even two weeks ago. You won the Afrocentric Coach of the Year Award 2022. So uh, obviously you you are really passionate about coaching and uh, just share a little bit more with us uh, about like how did you get into the coaching profession and what is it that really excites you about this space? Yeah, thank you, Danny. Uh, first of all, it was a really humbling experience to get that award and um, yeah, thanking Africa and uh, ABCCCP for the award. But um Getting into coaching for me was, uh, I, I stumbled onto it. We didn't know much about coaching um, in the late 19, the, the, you know, 1990, around then when I started working. But I was always not comfortable in the spaces I was in. I mean, as an accountant first uh, and then doing things, you know, sales, marketing, you know, insurance. And I was never at ease, really. So one time I get to learn that there are people called job coaches and talking with them. Eventually, I found there is something called at the time we used to call it corporate coaching. And the more I learned about it, the more I fell in love with it. And eventually I decided, okay, this might be my patch and my path. So I took it on and I've never looked back. It's like the more I learn about it, the less I understand it and the more exciting it becomes. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. And what, what is it that excites you so much about the profession? It is, it, it is the hope. I think, I think coaching is a sign of hope because you see this person coming in and it's like a gem that's not polished. And through the conversations, through uh, processes, sometimes short, sometimes long, you get to see the diamond coming out. And then you see the kinds of things that these people uh, start doing within their spaces. And it becomes, 
it becomes a hope for me because I know that if we continue doing this in Africa, we are going to be on top of the world. That's why for me, getting coaching to be a household name or profession or activity in Africa is a big thing because I know that with coaching, we shall get to back to be on the top of the world. Wow. I, I love that. With coaching, we are going to be on top of the world. Um, make coaching a household name. That's, that's, that's impactful. And one of the things I also loved what you just said is, um, you know, you mentioned at the beginning, you mentioned the importance um, and basically different priorities in different stages of your life, right? Now you mentioned your, your <laughs> grandkids, right? Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I have a feeling that uh, coaching is also some, uh, either your child or maybe a <laughs> grandchild or <laughs> it's, uh, okay. it's, it's on that level as well, if I, uh, if I hear you correctly. <laughs> yeah, in Uganda, the, 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 the coaching community in Uganda calls me the grandmother of coaching. Uh, well, grandmother of coaching because, yeah, having started, I, I played a little part in starting the coaching industry in Uganda. And um, when we started, it was training from the first person, really. And uh, now there are so many of them. They are doing great. They're, they're wonderful coaches, really, uh, world-class coaches in Uganda now. And so I, I would say I also have grandchildren in that sense. But coaching, <laughs> coaching, I consider it, I don't know. Now, coaching has a very, very special uh, part in my life, in my heart, in my brain, you know, because when I go to sleep, sometimes I'm wondering something will occur to me. We could also do this. We could also do that. You know, the, the kinds of things that will wake you up at 3 a.m. and you quickly jot down something. That's uh, the so it, it's it, it's nice to think about coaching in that way, yeah. If you look at the own like your coaches that you have had in your life, um, mm -hmm. what kind of impact have they made in your own life? Because you know most of the listeners will be either um, leaders that want to grow their uh, coaching capability in the organization, or they mm -hmm. are uh, either new or established coaches. So, but. How do we as, as coaches um, ensure that we um, stay on top of the world <laughs> in, that, in that sense? And what, what uh, has coaching done for you personally? Yeah, first of all, I know without a doubt that without coaching, I would not be where I am today. I would probably have uh, uh, used only 10% of what I've done. What coaching has done is stretch me beyond what I could have ever imagined. I was always um, a person that did not believe much in myself, but because the coaches I've had over the years believed so much in me, even more than I believed in myself, that always took me another step and another step. And for example, they'll give me assignments Nora, you are you 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 need you are talking about this and that and the other. So what are you committing to do next month? And I give my commitment, 
And I have a coach that is so stretching. <laughs> he practices what is called challenging coaching. He'll say, okay, and how about if you added this? And he will give a huge, you know, like expectation. I'm like, oh my God, maybe I won't be able to do that. But I respect them and uh, moving with them, I've seen myself go from step to step. So I always try. So you try it out, not quite believing you can do it. And then it's like, oops, it worked. <laughs> and it, Oh my God, it worked. So like that, I've kept from one level to another. And uh, really, I much of who I am today, for example, I would dedicate to my coach and mentor, Jawara, Jawara Lumumba, because he's really stretched the Nora beyond what I ever expected or hoped. Oh, that's beautiful. So he's really been helping you and guiding you to develop your muscles to the extent that you didn't even realize that you had these muscles, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. Or they, they were possible to grow. Um, yeah, I, I, I love that. So you just talked a little bit about, that was actually one of my questions, who is your role model? So would that be Dr. Jawara in that sense? Or do you have other role models as well that you like maybe within Africa or outside of the continent that you, you uh, look up in terms of for inspiration? I think if you're, if any person is going to be a learning being, it's important that we have people we look up to. They, they could be living or even dead, but um, we need to look up to something bigger than we are. Yeah. And um, I would say I have so many because in the different aspects of my life, for example, I'm a Rotarian. And in that sense, there are people that are my models, role models as Rotarians. Um, um, I'm a mother and wife, and uh, my husband and I have uh, people that uh, support us in that, even at our age. So, But when it comes to professional development in my journey as a coach, yes, I do have um, Dr. Jawara Lumumba. Um, he, he is based in the U.S., and um, I've walked the journey with him for over 10 years now. Wow. And uh, increasingly, we get more, um, more prominent coaches on the African continent. And I have people uh, like uh, Dumi, Brother Dumi, and Brother Mongezi. These are people, uh, Sis Nokonde, no, no, no uh, Nankonde. Um, there are many that are in Africa as well. I consider them my mentors, uh, my mentors too, professionally. Beautiful. What I love about what you just shared, and um, I'm not sure if everybody listening has that worked out, but like it's it's great to have role models for different areas of your life. So that's actually one of the things that I'm uh, I'm taking away to reflect more on in that sense, because I do have role models, but uh, I didn't split it out over different roles. So that's actually a great takeaway uh, for me as well. Thank you for sharing that, um, Nora. What what do you see? How do you see the uh, the coaching industry in Africa, are we already at a point that it's a meaningful industry in terms of overall size, or are we really just at the very beginning of, uh, of the coaching boom in Africa? What is, uh, what is happening in the space in your, from your point of view? Yeah, um, a lot is happening around coaching in Africa. And um, if I were to, it, it is like 
all this time, something has been simmering, but it is, it's been covered and nobody knows what is happening. But you can imagine it's going to be like a Formula One kind of, uh, kind of race. And we are just at the very beginning. It's like we are getting on our mats. You haven't seen nothing yet, is what I would say. Because when, um, first of all, when things come to Africa, they catch on like a wildfire. Yeah. Now, Africa is increasingly becoming the focus in many, in, in many respects, not only coaching, but for coaching in particular. When you think about where we were, um, let's say even just 10 years ago. Now, I'm one of the, the, the people that were into coaching much earlier. That is about 17 years ago. And the first seven years, there was almost nothing happening. But over the past 10 years, we are growing, we are multiplying, you know, it's exponential kind of growth. And the more you see people coming up, good coaches coming up, the more the effect or impact of coaching is going to be exposed. And at a point, which and that point might be maybe in a couple of years or whatever, it will be like every institution cannot not have coaching. And so we shall need so many coaches. So if you are saying, what is it that I'm expecting and what I'm seeing, we are at a point where we must get so many coaches so that we are not looking at this one coach for uh, almost 500,000 people. We need to raise coaches and multiply what we have today by like 1,000 in order for us to be able to provide well-skilled and ready coaches when that boom starts. Absolutely. And I, I fully agree with that. Uh, I think I shared uh, before that in the Netherlands, we have only 0.56% uh, of, of the population, which is a coach. Actually, it's not only, it's a lot. Uh, it's a half a percent of the population. And if uh, we would look at Africa in 2030, uh, it's interesting that there is an opportunity for almost 10 million coaches on the continent. So absolutely multiplying by a thousand is uh, uh, seems to be very realistic. Um the question, though, that that maybe some of the listeners will have as well, like, is there is there going to be work for uh, for all these coaches? Because the reality is also on the continent that uh, a lot of professional coaches they uh, they have a lot of different roles. So they either uh, they have a full time employment or they are just doing coaching as a side hustle. Uh, so it mm-hmm. seems that there's uh, there's still a challenge for coaches to make a decent living from coaching? How, how do you look at that uh, dynamic? On the one hand, there's a need for a lot more coaches, but at the other hand, mm-hmm. there are so many people that are still struggling to, to make a decent living from coaching. Yeah, um, Danny, this is, uh, there is a natural progression for any profession, not only coaching, and we are following the natural progression of uh, uh, development of a profession. I would, taking myself as an example, when I started out, I started out when people, what coaching, what? Is it like training? Is it like consulting? Is it, so what exactly are you going to do? So, and in that sort of situation, all I could do was to say, let me offer other services and then I offer coaching free, as in completely, absolutely free. 
So little by little, they get to know, okay, so this is it. This actually works. Oh, yes, now they start wanting to pay. But because they've only just experienced what's the impact and some of these things, the impact takes a longer time to say, what's the return on my investment? Now, looking at training and coaching now, the return on investment on coaching is 10 times more the return on investment on training. So over time, they will get to learn and then more they will shift towards coaching, especially now, Danny. We've been talking about oh, the, the, the VUCA world. Now we've gone to the bunny world. In the bunny world, you cannot depend on counseling and training because even the consultant doesn't know the answer. So they cannot, uh, they cannot claim to be the ones to consult. The trainer does not know the answer. So now we are getting into a space. Nobody seems to know the answer. So let's ask the questions and co-create the solutions as we go. So when you say, will there be business for coaches? It is like this situation, Danny, where you've heard about this story, I believe. Somebody goes to an area and say, oh, is there a market for shoes? Mm -hmm. And they find nobody wears shoes. So one person comes back, absolutely zero. There is nobody wearing shoes, so there is zero market. Makes a lot of sense. And then the other one comes back and say, wow, there is so much, like a 100% market for shoes because no one has. I see it as the latter, that when I look at is there a need for coaching, the answer is already there. Beautiful. Also, I think the big advantage that, uh, that Africa has over the rest of the world is that Africa can, in a, in a sense, model some of the things that, uh, or at least there are other continents where uh, the industry is more mature, right? And the development is known of how that maturity was reached, what kind of activities have been done. So there's a lot of uh, modeling that can happen. And at the same time, there's the leapfrogging aspect. So there's the errors that can be avoided, which uh, will make the development uh, no doubt much quicker than um, what, is, what has been uh, the case in, um, in the West. So let's um, let's talk a little bit about. I think our uh, listeners will be interested in, in hearing a little bit about the story of um, because in 2006, you know, it was a very different world that we were living in, and you had the uh, the courage to start the very first professional coaching firm in uh, in East Africa, Coach Africa, and uh, just take us a little bit through that uh, that initial journey and um, share with the. Yeah, some of the thinking around and, and, and even take us back to that moment when you actually registered the business or, or some of the, um, the, the things going into in, on your mind at, uh, at that stage. Oh, thank you, Danny. That's, uh, th there is so much there that is uh, also emotional. Um, yes, I told you that I loved, I loved coaching when I stumbled on it. However, at that time, this was like 2004, it wasn't in my mind that I'm going out there to start a coaching firm. What led me to finally say I'm jumping out of this wonderful job that I had with uh, Shell Oil Products Africa was an incident in my life. Uh, I, I got a back injury. I was in hospital for three months. And during that time, 
where the balance was, will I walk again? Will I, am I going to be paralyzed for life and stuff like that? There are so many things I used to think about, you know, from morning to evening, you're on this hospital bed. They just keep turning you up and then down and that sort of thing. And during that time, one of the things I kept wondering about was if I were to be given another opportunity to live, you know, like to, to get back, what is it that I would do differently? And there were two things. One was I was going to respect my family more and give much more to my husband, the only person who was there for me in the three months by my bedside doing nothing. The rest of the world moved on. The other thing I told myself and my God was, if I ever get an opportunity to get back, I'm going to be a coach because it was the biggest regret if I had stopped functioning at that time, the biggest regret in my life was going to be I could have been a great coach. So once I recovered, I quickly said, I'm either going to coach within Shell or out of Shell, but I'll coach. Now, the Shell, Shell is a big machinery. It wasn't going to change their their structure just because Nora has fallen in love with coaching. So eventually I said, if I can't do it inside, I'm just going to have to jump and whatever happens will happen, but I'm not losing this this time. So that was it. Wow. Wow. That's an impactful story. Um, it's, you know, we, we all have these moments in our lives that are really like turning points, right? And uh, that's... Uh, that reflection that um, that you had at that time um, has led to something uh, incredible, and you know. Uh, but you you basically said that you you wanted to be a coach, um, and you did, did more than that, right? Like you started bigger organization. So how did that develop? Like what what was that process that helped you from the realization of I want to become a coach to running a global uh, business? Yeah, it wasn't easy, Danny. And uh, fortunately for the younger coaches coming up, they do not have to go through what I did. So for me, it was excitement. Yeah, I'm going to do it. Yeah. And then I get, uh, I, I get first step was I got the skills. I signed up with the International uh, Coach Academy. This was, uh, <laughs> it, it was the only organizational institute at the time that offered, we used to call it teleclasses. So I got my certification and then out I went of Shell, ready to go and conquer the world. Now I get into the world and I'm like, oops, how come I'm not getting the clients? <laughs> I'm not getting the clients. What's happening? Now I discover, oh, they don't know about coaching. And then they are wondering. And then I need to leave. So then I start doing things I did not plan to do. I go into training. I go into consulting. I'm like, I don't like this. I went out of shell to do coaching. So many things I would have done differently. Yeah, Things like, okay, I've learned coaching. But I don't know how to run a business. <laughs> I'm not very sure whether I know that even now. But at that time, I should have known that I'm doing coaching. Yes, it was a passion, but I also needed money. And I had not planned for the money bit. I planned 
for I'm going to become a coach and I'll be the greatest coach ever. And yes, I did coaching in and out of season. I said, I'll be a good coach with or without money. But at some point, I think after like three years, I almost closed. I almost went back into uh, formal employment because I was like at the end. Yeah, I had, uh, by that time, I had gotten some stuff that I could almost not pay because we did not know, how do I get that business in? And yes, we started getting business, but still running a business is a different ball game, and you do not learn this in coach school. Absolutely. And I think the reality is that, that there's a lot of people that can relate to this part of the story. It's a, it's a story that played out for you, like um, in uh, around 2009 or between six and nine, right? Um, mm-hmm. But I think it's relatable for a lot of, uh, of people. So what, what turned this around, like business-wise? Like what was the moment that you lent uh, a big client or did you, like, how did you kind of like get out of that tricky uh, financial place at that time? Uh, For us, diversification helped because the the coaching side grew very slowly. Yeah, it was uh, coming behind what we were doing as um, in terms of consulting, organization development kind of work and training. So this, that the training, people development in that sense, leadership development, but taking a skills development approach is what pulled us out. Now, the coaching bit grew very slowly uh, because we were also just offering it, putting it out there to say, okay, when you get this or when you take this program, we shall also give uh, this amount of uh, coaching and stuff. Yeah. Until now, when I would say um, I can, I would be very happy not to do any training at all, because now my bread and butter is coaching. So the tables have turned, but it took too long. Now, other people do not have to go through what I went through, because now and actually I would say when you when you talk about business, it is also knowing that. If I'm to be a good coach, I might not necessarily be the best business person. So getting other people on board and running it as a business, handing over the management of the business to a different team, I think it helped. Then I could concentrate on doing what it is I do best. Yeah, I love that. So it's either uh, getting other people on board or or maybe just getting... Um, and these days you can also contract uh, some of the work out, right, to, uh, yeah. to, to other individuals or, or basically you learn new skills, right, in terms of yeah. uh, business development uh, skills. So uh, thanks for uh, sharing that. Let, let's jump a little bit back to one of the things that you mentioned earlier that you actually really started your coaching journey with, uh, with getting credentialed, right, uh, getting your professional credentials. So um, I just want to talk a lot about this for a little bit, because one of the things that I found um, when reading the recent International Coach Federation Awareness Study, uh, Mm -hmm. especially for South Africa, I found that there's uh, 86%, I repeat, 86% of the the surveyed respondents that had experience with coaching, they felt that their coach having professional credentials was either very important or important. So 
a credentialing seems to be a huge issue for clients of coaching services. So why why is that? Is that first of all, is that do you see that the same or um, is this survey off or is this is this actually um, is this correct? And what, what do you make of that? That is very true, and it is very much in line with not only coaching, but other professions as well. And there are so many aspects to this. There are culture issues, there are, you know, the, the, the historical background, there are many, there are esteem issues. If I'll tell you, I was having a chat with a young American boy. This is a 12-year boy. And in our little conversation, the, the boy was like, yes, I'm great. You know what? And he's saying he's the best. And he's talking about how he's playing uh, basketball and he's so great and he's going to be like, I don't know who. And I'm like, wow, this is just 12 years old. Now, that little boy grows up right from the beginning, believing he's the best. Now, if I were to equate that boy with a little African boy, same age, by that time, the little African boy has been told how so silly he is. Why can't you do this? Why can't you be like the other person? Why can't you? So at 12 years, this African boy is like, oh, my God. Um, Yeah, there isn't much I can do. I'll wait to be told. And uh, until I'm told exactly how to do it, I just will not dare because I'm not good enough. So these are two 12-year-old boys, yeah? That will grow with these people even when they get to the profession, the professional world. The African, uh, and I'm sorry that I'm generalizing here, but it is the truth, yeah? The average African will not feel confident even when they have a passion for something, a talent for something, they will need to be, um, what do you call it? What do you call it in English? I wish I could speak Luganda here. You know, like they will need to be validated by yeah. something or somebody in order for them to say, I'm good enough. I'm going out there. So we tend to go for skilling. For If you look at the banks, you will see that the Africans that are, let's say, CEO level, they will have many more credentials, three master's degrees, doctorate, what? And you look at the average CEO that is in a European bank, similar, they will not have nearly as much. But there is also the history that generally in Africa, we must prove ourselves, unfortunately. I mean, I went through that myself, you know my story. You must prove yourself beyond reasonable doubt that you have what it takes to do it. The rest of the world sometimes does not have to. Now, when it comes to South Africa, it is doubly hard because they have the apartheid uh, history. And so even before coaching started, there was a lot in terms of counseling. And because of the level of sensitivity of counseling in that kind of environment, Counseling was a very, very highly rated profession. And you better be very well trained and skilled mm. because these are situations where a person could end up killing themselves. So their history, the way they started people development and those kinds of support were in 
very, very sensitive areas. So now you might find that even today, um, about 10 years ago, when you wanted to be a coach in South Africa, you had to be a psychologist as well. You couldn't say, I'm just starting coaching. You had to be, uh, you have to have gotten that as a base profession. And on that, you would add coaching. So that way they consider these kinds of uh, people development areas of support is very different from the rest of the world, I must say. Yeah. Wow. There's a lot of, um, yeah, there's a lot more context that, uh, that, that you're giving to, uh, to explain uh, these actual uh, figures. Um, and when you talk about having to prove yourself, I, I just wanted, wanted to ask you to share the, that story that you shared with me a while ago offline about one of your, uh, your clients uh, where you experienced um, basically the, the, the let, let me call it the downside of being African. I don't at all like to, to, to call it, but, <laughs> but I, I think that is something that will, will come out of your story. So just share that a little bit with the world if you can, because it's something that, uh, that I think will, um, will give us extra ammunition to, uh, to want to change things. Yeah. So what happened? Um, I consult with uh, a global organization that offers coaching services to some of the biggest global institutions. So they have a bench of uh, this big global institution, which is uh, a client uh, uh, where I consult. They, they wanted more coaches onto the bench of coaches that they are provided with. And so um, the procedure usually is because they trust this uh, consulting firm. They just tell them we need coaches and they send the coaches, they send the CVs and uh, the process starts. So they assign you a coachee and life goes on. So this time among the CVs they are sending is uh, one from Anora Wire, <laughs> uh, Kampala, Uganda. So they pick it out and say, yeah, so you did present this. Can we have more information about this person? So they give them more information and uh, they say, we would like to interview the person. So I'm contacted and they tell me, oh, yeah, Nora, yeah, the, the client wants to interview you. Well, it's not the usual process, but it's okay. If you are willing to, please just go ahead and sit for the interview. So I go for the interview. And um, the usual thing that happens at interviews, I respond to the questions and everything. And uh, those people must have given wh whatever it was, um, their view of my coaching. And um, before we know it, they tell the, the organization that, yes, she went through the interview, but then uh, we are not very sure that our clients are going to be comfortable. So we would now like her to see uh, a bigger panel. So these people come back. Now the firm comes back and says, oh, sorry, Nora, but this is what it is. We don't know why it's happening this way. It has never happened this way before, but unfortunately you need to face a panel. So I'm like, that is fine. Now, by that point, of course, I know what is happening at the back. And um, I could have said, you know, it's not worth it. But now it was me fighting the system. So I said, if it is the last thing I do in my life, 
I will go and face that panel. And I'm not going to face this panel only, but I want to show them a little bit of what I have. Just one of the very few situations when I decide that I'm going to bring out <laughs> a different kind of Nora. So I go before this panel and I answered whatever they needed me to answer. They required me to um, even carry out a coaching session before then. And I decided, yes, I'm going to do it. I can do it in the moment. So after that, I was put on that bench. But Danny, what I went through is unbelievable because I had higher papers, if I call it, you know, qualifications than many of the people that are on the bench. Yeah, I had more experience, but I had to go through that just because I'm African. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not level and that is perfectly fine. Yeah. Now we have the opportunity to say, this is what we are. And so when I tell you that I want coaching, you know, Africa to be the coaching continent, it is coming from somewhere. We must become the coaching continent. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, especially it's something like that. Uh, especially for me, being non-African, it's 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 quite painful to hear that. On the other hand, it's um, it's super inspiring to hear uh, the resilience and the the action that you have taken in order to actually secure your spot. And that's I think common with a lot of people that I've interviewed, or even some of the guests we have had at different summits that. You know, people have run twice as hard or even <laughs> even harder than, you know, most of the people that in, in countries where I'm living in. And I think that is the, sadly, that is kind of the spirit that uh, that is needed, I think, in order to uh, to get at the same uh, level and, and later for, for, for Africa to really claim its, uh, its rightful place in, in the world, that everybody steps up and, um, and runs a bit faster, sadly. I think that is the... Uh, uh, one other thing that um, that my mentor uh, Fuzi Tembekwayo um, has also recently said is uh, that in order to change things, and I think that is your approach as well. In order to change things, we can very much fight, or we can look at okay, who is <laughs> who currently has uh, is calling the shots, and to to work with uh, people and in this case in your case it was clearly the the system that was you could also have chosen not to show up at that panel but you showed up and you worked with them and now you have actually influenced the future of a lot of uh, coaches that now will not be uh, having to go through the opportunity so thanks so much for sharing that um i i wish that we had uh, hours to uh, to go but uh, <laughs> i think we uh, we have to kind of wrap up so i want to ask you for uh, just a final uh, what we uh, with uh, with with Coach Club Africa, we kind of end with a question: What was the most transformative or the most special experience you have experienced in coaching your clients? And obviously, you don't have to to mention name. And I'm sure there's plenty of these experiences. But what is the one of the greatest experience you have seen working with a client? And uh, just leave us with a little bit of a feeling good at the very end of this <laughs> conversation. <laughs> Yeah, now it is so tough for me to to pick just one one that is uh, transformative. Okay, so I'll share one. One of my recent uh, coaching experiences. This is uh, a young guy that is um, in the IT area. 
in the health sector. So they are with this uh, small organization and he's trying to be the best leader that he can be. And we looked at where he had started. The coaching process took a year. So we looked at where he had started. And uh, at the time we were closing out the session, they had already won, uh, I think, a $2 billion grant for their for their um, institution to expand. I won't tell you what, because that will tell who they are. And we went back to the first session where he was putting out what he expected to receive and where, where he was at the point we started. And he asked the question, Nora, was that, was that me saying those things? Was that me? Like he could not recognize the human being that was 12 months earlier. When he asked that, Nora, was that me? I can't believe how so far I have moved. It made life very, very, I mean, it made it worth it to remain a coach. How did that make you feel? What was the dominant feeling of hearing something like that? It was like, this is so worth it. It mm. is um, almost like giving birth to a child. That is what wow. I, I would relate it to. Wow. The feeling of getting a human being into life, that wow. is what it felt like. Wow. That's an incredible end to this, uh, this amazing conversation, Nora. I really appreciate you. Thank you so much for your time. And to everybody tuning in, Thanks so much for uh, joining this episode of Coach Club Africa, Heroes Without the Headlines. And do subscribe uh, to the podcast and let us know how you've experienced this conversation. Have a great day, everyone. And thank you, Dr. Nora. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of Coach Club Africa. I trust we have inspired you today. Please follow this podcast so you will not miss out on future episodes. And do share the podcast with other coaches and leaders and leave us a review. This podcast is powered by Coach Africa, the one-stop shop for coaching in Africa. Coach Africa transforms bold dreams into reality as you step into your journey to being an exceptional coach or leader. If you would like to learn how Coach Africa can support you on your coaching or leadership journey, please visit coachafrica.org or send me a direct message through LinkedIn, Facebook or Instagram.